Hello, Texans, and welcome to the podcast, Vandermeer's View, presented by FedEx. It is great to have you listening to this one. Mike Keith from the Tennessee Titans, he's the voice of that team, will be with us. He's been in movies. He's done a lot of stuff in his life. I mean, all these play-by-play guys, like Bill Schoening of the San Antonio Spurs is in a band. Uh, I jam, you know. Because, like, that opening music is me. Not that it's that great. I did it at my house. But it is what it is. Okay, let's talk about the Texans and the Titans. I know you're not here to hear about my uh, musical stuff. Although, we will get into that at some point in the future. You know we will. Off-season stuff, perhaps. Texans, with the victory over the Jaguars, had the record go to 1-0 and without Bill O'Brien in 2020. So, trying to make it 2-0 and up in Nashville is going to be difficult. We all know what happened last year when the Texans went up there late Needing the game, big AFC South showdown in December. Houston won it. It was really terrific to see what they did against Derrick Henry, holding him below 90. You know, most running backs, that's not a big deal. But it is for Henry, especially when you have somebody like that who's as much of the attack of the opponent as Henry is. Uh, We all remember the big pick, too. Tannehill throwing into the tight end, Ferkser, and Reed getting in the way of that, bumping the ball, caromed in the air to Whitney Merciless, returned it a long way, setting up a score. I don't, you know, you can never count on that kind of thing. In fact, for the Titans, when they played the Bills on Tuesday night, they got one of those in a different way. They got a tip ball pick that was returned uh, deep into Buffalo territory. Then they got another pick late that was returned 68 yards into Buffalo territory. And Mike Keith's going to talk about those things. I mean, those are the things the Texans can really use. And Anthony Weaver has gone to the uh, the turnover belt, okay? There's a, a championship belt that is going to get presented to whoever forces a turnover or, I guess, recovers a fumble. They'll determine who deserves it on the sideline, but it's going to be pretty cool to see that, kind of like the turnover chain for Miami. I don't mind that. I think that's fun. I think that it's uh, one of those things that kind of keeps people talking and keeps the team together. You know, the more fun you can have playing this game, I think the better. I think they're going to play better if they have more fun. Romeo Cornell is just so positive. Now, this is an interesting one because you have the Titans with all these former Texans around, and too many to name here, but on the field in particular, you know, Ben Jones, Jonathan Joseph, Jadeveon Clowney, and, of course, the coaching staff with Shane Bowen, who's going to be mentioned in this podcast with Mike Keith, Mike Vrabel, of course, and to me, the, the Tennessee Titans are kind of like the Bill O'Brien version of what the Denver Broncos were to the Houston Texans, right? The Denver Broncos, when they had Kubiak and eventually Bill Kolar and Brian Periani and Rick Dennison and all those guys, I mean, they kind of looked sort of Texans-ish. Owen Daniels joined the team, and they won a Super Bowl, right? With the Titans, it's the Bill O'Brien tree, uh, the leaves that have fallen from that tree that are represented by that organization. This rivalry, it's seventeen nineteen in favor of the Titans. They're two up on the Texans, so it's relatively even. But early on, man, it was all Tennessee. And back in the day, Steve McNair, Eddie George, Javon Curse. I mean, when the Texans joined the league, the Titans were really good. McNair was a co-MVP with Peyton Manning. How about that? You had a year where the Texans, as a relatively new team, had to deal with the co-MVP status of two of the quarterbacks in their division. And meanwhile, you were trying to make it work with David Carr and dealing with a lot of injuries, and it was just a long time coming. When the team finally beat Tennessee, it was year three, 2004, up there, and they beat Steve McNair. They swept the Titans that year. And did not beat them again until when? It was 2008 
uh, when the Texans finally got the Titans again, and that was the home game in which they won 13-12. to In a year, the Titans would finish 13-3, and and that's the last time they won the AFC South. So they're trying to win it for the first time since 2008. They have the lead. They look really good, and they looked good against Buffalo on Tuesday night. Mike Keith was at the microphone, and let's start this conversation talking about the age-old tradition. Oh, my gosh, we remember growing up watching this one, Tuesday night football on CBS. (laughs) That's right. The the tradition started in 1946 by the Boston Yanks and the New York (laughs) Giants. Uh, it It was incredibly awkward from a work standpoint, Because there were several times during the day while I was sitting around preparing that I thought, oh, wait, I've got to go to the stadium tonight. My biggest fear of all of it is that I would forget to go to the game. Right. Because you you I mean, you know this well, Mark, you get into routine. And so you get up on Sunday morning and you go to the stadium or if you've got Monday night football or Thursday night football, you know, you've got that circled. But it just. It felt so strange, and it feels kind of strange in the aftermath as well, because in essence, from a preparation standpoint, the Titans are playing what amounts to a Thursday night game, followed by another Thursday night game. They had three days to get ready to play Buffalo, and in essence, three days to get ready for this game. Uh, it's incredible. So, but not knowing exactly what's going to happen, I, I think that's got to be aggravating for the team. Yet, in my opinion, the Titans responded as if they were the team that had a solid work routine and everything was fine. And Buffalo looked like the team that had barely practiced, if at all, on Tuesday night. What was your take? I, I think Buffalo had a hard time with it. And in fairness to the Bills, when you when you take what they went through on the other side. You know, they had nine days, and I'm sure they got to Nashville not knowing what they were going to get. They were the road team. There were some awkward things on their behalf, and, I, and I'm not meaning to make excuses for them, but I just think in fairness to them, it needs to be said they were in a tough predicament too. And I don't know that they came as ready to play as maybe what they had wanted to. Listen, overall, they didn't have a good night. They were not particularly sharp. They made some mistakes that were unforced that kind of opened the door for the Titans. The Titans took advantage of all of those mistakes. But I think the key to to all of it was the Titans played from in front all night. Mm. The, the, The biggest fear in the Titans camp leading into that game because they had had only two practices and no practices with pads in 16 days is that they would run out of gas in the fourth quarter. Had they been chasing, had they been down 12 points? I don't know that they could have mustered enough to overcome the bills, but because they were playing from in front Mark, I think that's what gave them the advantage and the ability to sort of get home with what was a surprising win to most people. Uh, You and I visited at the Combine, and I think you're one of the last humans I saw before COVID hit. Uh, But we visited at the Combine, and you were talking about Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator. And he's getting more notoriety. He's getting more noticed now for his work. But this guy's done an incredible job with that side of the football. Really has. And, you know, the other night we played the football game with no Corey Davis, no Adam Humphreys, no Cameron Batson, no Michael Pruitt. So, four guys who have played regularly for this offense and yet he changes personnel groupings 
he he features guys in different ways. He takes advantage of matchups. He can make the same thing look different so many different ways because of his creativity with his motions and his formations. And he has a quarterback, too, that he's really in sync with. You know, so much talk about Ryan Tannehill and what he's doing for the Titans. I mean, you saw him in Miami, too. I think you will agree, Mark. He he wasn't the washout that some people made him into. He was on some not-so-good teams, and he was in some tough situations. So I think he's in the right situation right now. The biggest key to Ryan Tannehill is that relationship with Arthur Smith. Wow. I mean, that's that's high praise right there for Arthur Smith. I mean, the work he's done with Tannehill, because when LaFleur was there a couple of years ago, I thought he did a pretty good job with Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And you talk about missing guys when the Texans and Titans met up in week two of 2018. They game planned a terrific scheme with the wild Henry, as I called it. And you had Blaine Gabbert starting at quarterback. I mean, I thought that was a pretty good effort that night. And it was similar the other night because of the guys you were missing, like you said. So this organization seems to be on top of things that way. I think they're steady. I I think they know who they want to be with John Robinson in charge and with Amy Adams Strunk sort of giving John the ability to kind of mold this thing. And Mike Malarkey did a good job here. It, it had obviously come to an end uh, at the end of, of 2017. And then they go to a guy who is a similar fit in a different way. You know, Mike Vrabel taking them in a little different direction, but it's still the overall focus. It's still the overall blueprint that John Robinson came in with. And it was like promoting Arthur Smith to be offensive coordinator when LaFleur left. LaFleur was an incredible talent, and it was obvious he was going to be a head coach quickly. When they promoted Arthur Smith, people said, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. you're prom- what this guy had been here 10 years, mm-hmm. 10 years. He started off as a, de- a defensive quality control coach and moved up the ranks and they just knew they had a guy in their midst who could do it. I I think the steadiness of it with John Robinson over the last five years has been the thing that has, has paid off in this scenario probably more than anything else. A stable roster, a stable coaching staff, and they know who they want to be. I mean, they understand what they are, and probably more importantly, Mark, they understand who they are. Mike Keith joining us, voice of the Tennessee Titans. On the defensive side of the ball, no Dean Pease, sort of coordinator by committee, or is it Vrabel's? How are they handling it? How are they organizing (laughs) things there? Great question. I don't know the answer uh, because as in the role that I'm in, uh, I'm I'm not around them. I don't have the ability to sort of ask. What's really happening, in my opinion, and I'm just surmising here, is that Vrabel is the de facto coordinator and that Shane Bowen, a really talented young coach, is probably serving the day-to-day in that role. But you also have Jim Hazlitt on this staff, who, of course, has been a veteran defensive coordinator and a head coach. And then the other key component, too, is Anthony Midget. And And you know Anthony. And with him coming in, I think... He knows what Mike wants so well from the secondary. Jonathan Joseph has been a key part of that, too. Even though he's not a coach, I, I think he's sort of a um, a glue guy that sort of binds this overall philosophy. They finally played a little defense on Tuesday night, finally. Uh, through the first three games, the defense was not fantastic. Uh, 
and they they looked like they were on the same page. We thought with Dean P's retirement, it might take him a while to figure out how everything fit together. And I think we saw some more of that on Tuesday night against Buffalo, but I don't think they're there yet. I don't, you know, they certainly haven't had all of the pieces because Jeffrey Simmons was out uh, due to COVID and, you know, they, they haven't played with the Dory Jackson all year long. So all of these things are, are yet to come, but in some ways it's, it's given some optimism because we knew the offense would probably be pretty good. We thought the defense would take a while. And as it stands right now, it is taking a while. Well, uh, you're saying a lot of names that are very familiar to Texans fans, and uh, it's kind of heartbreaking to hear some of them uh, having success, but uh, good for them. Uh, Jonathan Joseph will always be loved here in Houston. Sure. Uh, Tell me about Clowney and what you're getting so far from him. He's doing a nice job playing a lot more snaps than I think anybody thought he could and would and at the at the end of the ball game the other night he was gassed you know because buffalo's trying to mount a comeback and we really have nobody to put in the game for him he one of the late plays in the game he had to hustle back and and he was so tired he was having a hard time getting in a stance because he's playing over 50 snaps and rushing the passer and i mean you know how that works and so i think he's done well but I think he's still – he and Vic Beasley both, who who came off IR and has now played in two games, the, those are two guys they're still waiting to get the best that they have when they have everybody together. But Clowney has been impactful. Uh, he, he doesn't have a quarterback sack yet, but you know he affects things. He's, he's made several good plays that have shown up. And the Titans are excited about not only his upside, but also Vic Beasley's upside moving forward. Um, they they weren't able to line him up all over the place like Vrabel wants to do, and certainly like he did in that monster year with Vrabel as his defensive coordinator, because they didn't have any bodies. Mm. I, I mean, it was really amazing how they <laughs> – kind of put together the 48 guys to play the game itself. You're like, you know, with some of them, you're like, now, who is this? What, what is going on here? Um, and, and that, that doesn't work well for a guy like Clowney. Clowney needs to be used, you know, in a variety of ways. And the other night they just had to ask him to play defensive end more or less because they didn't have anybody. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. Uh, Mike Keith, voice of the Tennessee Titans with us. A couple more for you, Mike. What, are you saying, or what are the people in Nashville saying about the Houston Texans? What are they thinking, in your opinion, as you head into this game against a team that uh, let go of its head coach a week ago Monday and won a game against a divisional opponent this past week? What are you thinking? Oh, well, we get it. I mean, you know, we saw them start 0-3 two years ago and win the division. We know who the Houston Texans are. We we know who Deshaun Watson is, and, and certainly – Everybody in our camp knows Romeo Cornell so well because he's somebody with whom Mike Vrabel holds in the highest regard and John Robinson. You know, Mm -hmm. these are people who understand what he's all about. And the feeling has been and, and was when the Tuesday night game got set, there was a feeling that this game would be more difficult than the Buffalo game because of the you knew the physicality of the Buffalo game so you're saying okay win or lose the Texans game is going to be tougher because I mean there who knows who's going to be available 
And Houston has itself together now. They understand who they are. Uh, the first three games were obviously not cakewalk opponents. They played one of the more difficult schedules in the NFL. So the, the Titans get it, and you're just wondering on the Titans' end, are they going to have enough to mount another effort like they had on Tuesday night? And I, and I think it's a very fair question. Uh, the injury report has certainly indicated how banged up they are and the fact that they they still have so many guys on the COVID list right now. The other thing we don't know, too, is for the guys who battled COVID-19, Mark, right. you know, what is – how are they? Yeah. You know, what is – what is the lingering effect after playing an NFL game? Are they fully 100%? Because, there, I mean, there was no conditioning, nothing at all mm-hmm. that was able to go on. Yeah, it's a great point because even a, a bad flu, I mean, we've all had them. It takes you sometimes a few weeks to get back to normal for a, for a lay person. So, yeah, it's 100%. Yeah, and, these, and these are elite athletes. And, you know, it was really interesting to listen to some of the guys who were impacted by COVID talk after the game and what they talked about were the headaches, Mm. you know, just the amazing and just how it made you feel so badly. You just didn't feel like doing anything. And I mean, we'll see. Um, it, It has certainly been an unusual 2020 for every single one of us and for the NFL players going through it in their own way, in their own world, it's no more difficult than, you know, people in other facets of life. And we certainly in, in our discussion, we don't want to seem like that because I know you feel like I do. This is this is no harder than what anybody's going through. But the fact that they have to exert themselves physically as part of their job does add a level of complication that, you know, will probably be impactful in some way, shape or form in how the game goes this weekend. All right, one more question for you. You talked about prepping for the game Tuesday night, having to go to the stadium Tuesday, how weird that was. All right, since we're both play-by-play guys, what is your dream, your nightmare about play-by-play? I've literally had this recurring dream where I can't get to the booth in time for kickoff. I'm in the stadium, I can't find the elevator, or I can't see the field from where I am, and I don't, or I don't know who's on the field, and I'm just guessing. What is your nightmare? Do you ever have that one? It's kind of like the final exam dream that a lot of kids have or a lot of grown-ups I, have yes. about the last day of school. Like, oh, my gosh, I didn't study for the final exam. What do you have? Yeah, I still, I still have the one in college about I have to take a final in a class that I've never attended. Uh, <laughs> I really did maybe that, that's I think. <laughs> Maybe that's because I didn't go to class much. But I, I think for me, Mark, it, it's it's the reoccurring that I, I just forgot to go. Yeah, forgot you know, to that go. I forgot to go to the I forgot to go to the game and they call me and they say, where are you? And uh, <laughs> that's that's sort of been compounded by not having the normal schedule because, you know, we start off, we play Monday night at nine ten in Denver. And because we're having to fly commercially, oh, yeah. we don't get out of Denver until eight o'clock the next morning. We had to stay up all night. I hadn't stayed up all night since college. And so then we come back, we play on Sunday and then we get a normal week. Week three is a normal week, and, and you're into your routine, and you feel good. And just as week four starts, this hits. So I think if, if it's been sort of exhausting and confusing for me to get into a routine, I can't imagine how it is for, for, for being a player or a coach. I think exhausting has got to be the right word for it. Excellent point. Mike, thanks so much for the time, and best of luck getting ready for Sunday and looking forward to the game. Mark, same here. Thanks for having me on.
There's our buddy Mike Keith, the voice of the Tennessee Titans. I love catching up with him. Well, enjoy the game Sunday at noon. It'll be live on Sports Radio 610 and the entire Texans radio network. And, of course, KHOUCBS in Houston. Follow along Game Day Central on the Texans app at HoustonTexans.com. Enjoy the show, and let's hope for a win. Have a great day, everyone, and go Texans.